Good morning, ladies. So it's a privilege for me to have the opportunity to um, speak to you guys about Easter this morning. I'm eager to share with you what I've been learning about resurrection living from God's word. So we'll just take a moment to open in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we want to hear from you. So I ask that what I share this morning would be your wisdom, not my own. Father, I do not want to be a clanging gong. So help me to live a resurrected life. Help me to do as you have taught. I thank you that in your kindness, you have made a way for us through your son to reconcile your image bearers to yourself. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. I pray that each one who hears this message would be given the gift of faith and grace to receive your truth and live victoriously out of it. Father, I ask that you help us to have a better understanding of who you are and your awesome power. I praise you for who you are and for the incredible gift we have in your son, Jesus. Amen. So this morning we're going to be talking about the implications of Easter on the walk of a believer. So we're going to be learning about resurrection living in light of Paul's text in Romans 8, 1 to 18. So before we dive into that text, I want to orient us in Holy Week. Today's Wednesday, or Spy Wednesday, Holy Wednesday, which was the day that Jesus was betrayed. So the week begins with Palm Sunday, where upon Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, their crowds were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, praising and adoring him, giving him a king's welcome. By Friday, those same crowds were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, and were willing to murder the king of the Jews. This is a good picture of humanity's fickle nature. This past fall, we learned about our human nature when we studied Ephesians. To remind us, and for those who weren't here to study Ephesians, Paul describes man's condition. You were dead in the trespasses and in sins you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once live in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is our nature without God's intervention. His gift of grace deals with that nature. <clears throat> we are dead without it. Today, we're going to focus on what it means to be alive. So if you want to, you can open to Romans 8, 1 to 18, and follow along with me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. 
Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, whoever, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So just before this passage, Paul explains his battle with the flesh, that he continues to do what he does not want to do, that sin continues to live in him. He explains about his indwelling sin and the need to put it to death, the mortification of sin. For there to be a resurrection, a death needs to occur. For us to have resurrected lives, we need to be putting our sin to death. We've already touched on man's nature, so now let's think about God's nature, which will help us understand why it is so important sin be dealt with. But first, let's talk about sin. What what is sin? Sin is any thought, action, or words we speak that go against God's commands, his instruction, and his character. It is any time we think, behave, or speak in a way that disobeys or displeases him. In Romans 3.23, Paul explains that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. At some point, every single one of us has been against God. Now back to God's nature. So God is holy, he's just, and he is loving. Because of his holiness, he cannot dwell with sin. God is just, and because of his justice, he must judge sin. He pours out his wrath on sin. A death must occur to pay the penalty of that sin against his holy nature. A sacrifice must be offered to God for reconciliation to occur to cleanse the unrighteousness of the sin against God. Out of his loving nature, God has made a way through his son Jesus to reconcile us to himself by paying the penalty of all sin, all the sin in our life with the life of his son. So that's all our sin, present, past, and future sin. Jesus lived a perfect sinless life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice to atone for humanity's sins against his perfect heavenly father, God. This is why Good Friday had to happen. Jesus died on the cross to pay our debt. As we grieve the darkness of that day, we need to understand and meditate on the necessity of Jesus' sacrifice the mercy in that action. Without Good Friday, his sacrifice, there's no Easter, there is no resurrection. Without Easter, there's no hope and there's no glory. Easter is God's greatest demonstration of love to us. He has done this out of his mercy and love for his creation. 
It is a gift of grace that he has given us, and we have done nothing and can do nothing to earn it. It is completely dependent on Christ. So the bulk of our time, we're just going to walk through uh, the 10 implications of Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday in our passage of Romans 8, 1 to 18. So first, we see we are free from the condemnation of sin. We're no longer under the guilt of shame. That's of sin. That's in verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Second, we're free from the power of sin and death through Christ. God has dealt with both sin and death. He's condemned sin in the flesh. We see that in verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Third, Christ paid the penalty for our sin. God's wrath has been satisfied. We're justified before him. We see that in verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Fourth, we're given life. We're given peace. We're at peace with God no longer his enemies, no longer under the curse of death. Verse 6, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. We are given life for our mortal bodies. We will have eternal life. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Fifth, We have been made right with God. We take on Christ's righteousness, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Six, we've been given the spirit. Through the spirit, we are given power to put to death our sin, verse 13. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Seventh, we're no longer slaves to sin, We are free from fear. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. This means we no longer have to fear death because we're delivered from it. We no longer need to fear God's wrath because it's satisfied. We no longer fear man because what can man do to us when we are fully accepted by God? This is great hope. Sin does not give us any hope. Sin leads to fear, to guilt, to shame, and ultimately to death. The world does not have that hope that we have in the resurrection. The world lives in and by fear. Eighth, we are adopted. We are God's children. He has become not just our father, but our daddy, our Abba. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Ninth, we are God's heirs. We have a beautiful inheritance to look forward to. We will inherit his kingdom. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Tenth, glory. We'll be glorified, completely freed of sin, and we'll enter into God's glory. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be to reveal, sorry, that is to be revealed to us. We get to share in the glory of Easter Sunday, the glory of the resurrection. So ladies, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, Christ has done so much for us on the cross. Resurrection living is freedom. Freedom from condemnation of sin and death, 
freedom from shame and guilt, freedom from fear. Out of Easter, we have an invitation from Christ to live free, to choose Christ, to live out of his victory by his power, by his spirit. Paul calls us to live by the spirit, to set our minds on the things of the spirit, and to put to death the deeds of the body. So I ask you, sister, are you living this way? Are you setting your minds on the things of God, pursuing what is righteous, lovely, good, and pure? What are you watching? What are you spending your time thinking and dwelling on? Are you putting to death the deeds of the body? Are you taking your sin to task? Are you denying your flesh? Are you willing to give things up that are damaging to your soul? Are you living to serve yourself or to serve Christ? Did your life bring God glory? If the answer is no, I don't want you to panic because there's grace for that. Remember, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's mercy and grace to be had today, right now, by turning to him. You are not left on your own to battle sin. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you through the spirit to fight temptation and turn from sin, to turn from the deeds of the flesh. And let's be real. Living for Christ is not going to be an easy walk. Paul says right in our passage that to share in Christ's glory, we'll have to share in his suffering. In this life, there will be trials and there will be trouble. We get to choose how we respond to life circumstances. We have a choice. We can remain in our natural dead state, living in our sin, but just please know that's the path to death. Or we can choose to trust in the finished work of Christ and live resurrected lives. Either path is going to be hard. Living in our flesh, in our sin, will be hard and we will have heartache. So I urge you to live by the Spirit, trusting in Christ, because the Spirit will help you through the hard. The Spirit will enter into the mess, into the heartache, into the suffering, and help us in the hard. The Spirit is our gift. It's our gift from Jesus. He promised to leave us a helper. So I ask you, have you placed your trust in Jesus? If you haven't, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from receiving his gift of grace and abundant life? Jesus loves you so much, he gave his life for you. God loves you so much, he willingly allowed his son to be murdered on your behalf. The only thing that can separate you from that love is your sin. And Jesus already willingly died for that. All you need to do is acknowledge your need for him your part in his death, your rebellion against God, and trust that he's perfectly paid the cost for your missteps. Jesus wants a relationship with you. Turn to him, ask him to reveal more of himself to you. Read his word and know the beautiful savior. If you came this morning and you don't know Jesus, but you want to, I encourage you to talk to the person who brought you or to your small group leader, an elder's wife or a pastor's wife, you're loved and we want to answer your questions and meet you exactly where you're at. And sisters, I know what it means to be tempted into sin. There have been books I should not have read, shows I should have turned off, desserts I should have passed up, gossip I should have walked away from, glasses of wine I should have refused, advice I should not have listened to, anger I should have turned from, envy I should not have expressed, words that should not have been spoken, 
In those moments, what I did not need is more of myself, my flesh, but more of Christ, which is why it's so important that we spend time in his word, like we are today, getting to know him, coming to know him, learning what's good, pure, lovely, right, and true, and setting our minds on the things of the spirit so that we can be led by the spirit. We need to allow him to shape our thoughts, attitudes, and responses. In the mo those moments of temptation, we, I, need to humble our hearts to turn to Jesus for help. Because when we, like the psalmist, cry out to him for help, he will be faithful to answer. He will supply us with the grace we need. He will provide a way of escape. We need him and his power to put to death the sin that lives in our hearts and tempts us. Praise God for his son, our beautiful savior. Praise God for Easter and the power of the resurrection. So I'm just gonna take a moment to close our time in prayer. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving completely of yourself. Thank you for living a perfect life and the pain, the cost for my sin, for our sin. Help me, help us to live lives that honor your great gift of mercy and grace. Help us to live victorious, resurrected lives. Amen. Amen.